Are you feeling frustrated with the job hunt? Are endless applications and a radio silence getting you down? You can now book me for $1 a minute for 30, 45, or 60 minutes. Don't need 45 minutes, don't pay for it. Want to do 30 minutes now and maybe 30 minutes later? Once you progress, let's do it. We can conduct a mock interview. I'll help you format great responses that make a difference. We can improve your resume and cover letter to help get you noticed. I'm here to consult with you. If you're in a unique situation and want input from someone that has seen it all and can help you succeed like I have so many others, it's super simple. Just go to jobinterviewexperience.com and click the $1 a minute coaching button at the very top of the page. Select the amount of time you want to meet and then you can look through my availability without having to pay. Check out my availability, pick a time, and pay $1 a minute for 100% of my attention. It's blocked into 30, 45, or 60 minutes, so we won't go over, you won't get charged any more than what you pay at checkout. Remember, the faster you invest in yourself, the faster you land that dream job. Go to jobinterviewexperience.com or follow the link in this episode's description. I'm excited to meet and help you take control of your career today. Welcome to the Job Interview Experience. I'm a former executive recruiter, search firm owner, director of talent acquisition, and today, your host of the Job Interview Experience and founder of Candidate Club Interview Prep. Joining us today is Christina Curtis, the founder of Curtis Leadership Consulting, based in Denver, Colorado, a thought leader on motivation and goal attainment. She regularly contributes to the Harvard Business Review, Forbes, and Psychology Today, as accredited master coach with International Coaching Federation, a designation held by only 1% of business coaches worldwide, by the way. Christina's clients include Fortune 500 executives and leaders. Her new book, Choosing Greatness, Christina shares the science behind the choices we make that lead to greatness and success. Christina is here to talk about bringing energy to your job interviews, building trust, and the motivation we need to push to the next level to achieve greatness. Christina, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, excited to be here. Thanks, Matthew. Before we dig into all of this, can you tell us a little bit about yourself beyond your work? What motivates you and how do you like to spend your free time? Yeah, who am I? Who am I? That's such a great question, right? Tell us a little bit about you. I actually born and raised in Canada, moved down to the U.S. 10 years ago and, and have been focused on human psychology for the past 20 years. I was thinking about that this morning. It's been a while since I've been studying this. <laughs> so that means I'm getting older, Matthew. I don't know. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but, and I have two beautiful kids and, and a husband. So I'm a working mom and have been an entrepreneur for 15 years. And what, what excites me? I love what I do. I love what I do. I, I, went through many careers and continuously shifted jobs earlier in my 20s to try to find out the job that would wake me up every day. And I'd say, yeah, I'm ready. I want to do this today. And I found it. I do executive coaching, both individual and group and keynote speaking all around human performance. And I love any and all things people related. I, I love talking about people's passions and their dreams and, and how to help them get there. And, and I do a lot of that on my spare time. <laughs> but I. I also enjoy just getting outside and, and enjoying the mountains here in Colorado. 
you said you love helping people get there. What helped you get to the point where you, you knew this was what you wanted to do? You know, the the story I have is not one with a ton of thought that I put into it other than when I was young, I always knew I wanted to run my own company. I just knew it. Somehow in my head, I had this vision and it would be me working four days a week, having a house by the ocean. I, I live in the mountains, so I clearly missed that one. Wearing red shorts. I mean, I had a total picture of it. And fast forward through the first 10 years of my career, and I was just gaining experiences, gaining skills. And then one day we had this beautiful boy and he had a medical issue. And he was about two years old at the time when he was just having these blackout spells. He'd be walking along through the day and for no reason would fall unconscious. And I'm sure you can imagine as a parent picking up this almost this lifeless feeling little body was excruciating, excruciating. And it changed my life in so many ways. One of them being that I was, I was at the time working at Xerox and running their national sales training program. And I just delivered a workshop to 200 business owners. And I was in the back of the room and the hospital called sick kids in Toronto. And, and they said, Hey, Christina, I think we figured it out. And we find it, found out what the issue is. We need you to come in tomorrow with your little boy. And and it's a rare illness and it affects one in a million kids and and we need to talk it out. And you know what, Matthew, it was one of those moments where I looked around the room and it was almost like it was a fog. And I just said, I'm not, I'm not supposed to be here. I don't, it was so clear to me. The, the room was like blurry and I was just really crystal clear up here, even though everything out there was a blur. And I just got into the space of uh, this is no longer my path. And I grabbed my laptop and I walked over to my boss at the time, who's just this rock star named Mike. And, and I said, Mike, I'm going to leave my laptop with you because I knew I, I got to be home with my family. And I don't think I'm coming back to do this. Something else is calling me. It's time for me to go. And he said, no, no, take your laptop, right? Go on the weekend. Think about it. This is not a normal moment to just quit. And you're standing here with 200 business owners. And I said, I will help obviously support the company and roll, unroll, unwind my role and train someone else. But this is my last day. And I got in the car and I called my husband and I said, so two things. One, the hospital called. I'm on my way home. We're going to go tomorrow. And two, I just quit my job. I'm going to start my own company. And he was like, what? What are you talking about? Next time you have a major life decision, maybe you give me a call first. But we drove on the phone together for, it was about an hour and a half from Niagara Falls back to Toronto. And I walked in the front door and the two-year-old wrapped his arms around me. And I just thought, I know exactly what my next plan is. And, and it's not this. And I spent six months getting him on the right trajectory. So he was healthy and happy. And, and I daunting, very dauntingly started my own company six months later. And that was, gosh, almost 15 years ago today. When you had that moment of clarity and you knew what to do, would you describe that as more emotional or energizing for you in the moment? Yeah. Well, starting your own company is terrifying. Let's be clear. There's because there's every day you wake up as an entrepreneur and there's nothing happening until you create it. And that can be energizing and overwhelming and exciting and all kinds of emotions will run through you. But there's something very liberating for me that occurred because I felt like this vision of mine of always starting my own company since I was a kid was actually coming to fruition, even though there was nothing in front of me but an empty road. I had no idea where this was going to lead me. I just knew it was where I was supposed to be. And, and we tell ourselves these things and then go through ups and downs. It's like when you're looking for a job. 
you have a great interview. And so you're on a high and the next day you wake up and you're like, what do I do today? And you're on a low because there's, again, it's an open road. There's nothing there yet. I often think about it like if you've got this vision of a job that you want to have or a vision of an experience you want to have in life from a work perspective, you have to almost start visualizing what it's going to look like in the day before the day comes. So you don't just wake up and there's nothing. I often actually recommend people who are in a mid-career change do that. I say, okay, this week, before the week begins, so you don't wake up and look at the day and go, what am I supposed to do? We're going to map it out. We're going to map out. We're going to create structure where there is no structure because the brain needs certainty. It needs clarity. It needs something to hold on to so it doesn't feel like it's not standing on shaky ground. So if it looks ahead and says, oh, got it. I have a plan this week to execute. I know when I'm supposed to exercise. I know when I'm going to wake up. I know what book I'm going to be reading to create another stream of insights and thoughts and give me the bigger picture. I know what calls I'm going to make. I know what I'm going to say during those calls. I have certainty. I have certainty that I could show up my best that week. And so similar to starting my own company, that's what I did. I made sure that I had certainty each week so I could deal with some of the inner anxieties that were undoubtedly there. Christina, our listeners come from all walks of life, all industries. And some of them might not be familiar with someone who publishes to journals, or they might not understand what a master coach does. Can you dig into that day-to-day, what type of work you are doing and who you're working with? All my writing is around leadership and goal attainment. And so it's business, business mindset, business mastery. And what I do every day is I wake up and I have this calendar full of fabulous people who are feeling like they aren't quite hitting their potential in a particular area, who have this this underlying desire to do and be and achieve more. And so they say, gosh, I don't know how to do that. Christina, could you help me? That's where I get the calls. I feel like there's more. I want more. This isn't quite what I'd envisioned. Can you help me get there? And so I apply neuroscience and psychology to my conversations to help people figure out what parts of their habitual routines or belief systems are eroding their success rather than helping them achieve it. Where in their network do they need to be strengthening and bolstering connections? Who in their network is actually bringing them down and taking the energy out of their sails, taking the wind out of their sails? And so we go through a particular system that I've built for people around achievement Some of these folks, by the way, are CEOs of Fortune 100 companies. Some of them are world-class entrepreneurs. They too have that feeling that many of your listeners feel of, gosh, I'm not sure I'm quite there yet. And here's what I would tell you, Matthew. The reason we have that feeling of, I don't think I'm quite there yet. It doesn't mean we're failing. It doesn't mean we haven't achieved our full potential. I just want to get super clear on that because I speak with people who make billions of dollars a year or who have achieved They're titans in their industry and they still have that feeling. We have that feeling because we as human beings have a strong desire to constantly evolve and grow. It's why we're here on this planet. I want to evolve and grow and bring love and light to the people around me and into my life. And so it's okay to have that feeling. It doesn't mean you've missed the boat. It doesn't mean you're behind. It means you're human. One of the reasons I asked Christina to be on the show is because of the exposure she gets to such great companies and leaders and the way she helped them, I think can help us as well. But also she works with people that the way I like to say are on the other side of the table as we are. So during your interview or even once you're hired, 
she gets a lot of perspective from the people who might be doing the hiring or hiring the people who are doing the hiring. One of the things Christina talks about is bringing energy to your interview. What does that mean beyond just not being tired when you show up? Yeah, totally. Well, two things happen when you show up. One, you may be tired. Two, you may be nervous. And when you're nervous, you tend to put a guard up between you and the interviewer. And here's the thing. We're human beings. So we can say whatever we want to say. But if people don't feel good when they're around you, if they don't have an experience where they walk away and feel a particular way, they're not going to remember you. They're not going to feel compelled to hire you. And in fact, likability, there was a great study out of Northwestern that showed likability to be the primary driver of why someone gets hired. So that doesn't mean that I walk in and I need to be super charismatic and super loud. That's not what I mean by energy. Energy is an experience that creates a feeling. What feeling do you want the interviewer to have about you and about your exchange, about your interaction? We focus way too much on talking points and not enough on that feeling and the energy you need to bring into meetings to actually ignite someone, to light them up, to make them think, gosh, that was interesting conversation. I'm going to remember that one. That's what they'll remember, not your bullet points on your resume. I think it's interesting to think about energy in all aspects of our life because it's the most contagious element on the planet. You and I can sit in a room, Matthew, and neither one of us need to say a word, and whoever has the dominant energy will transfer that energy to other, the other person. So imagine that you show up tired or you show up because you haven't had a good day and you're sitting with this interviewer, that's the energy consciously or unconsciously you're going to channel to them and they may walk away and go, gosh, I don't feel as good as I did walking in. What was that about? I don't know what that is. I attribute it to you. And so how can you bring the energy? How can you clear your plate in the morning of whatever you just went through and say, I'm showing up today with the intention to create this connection with this person and transfer my positive energy to them? That's why it's so important. For job seekers, sometimes you get either crummy recruiters or cranky recruiters or recruiters that they're having the bad day. They're tired. And Mm -hmm. it it really is up to you to bring that energy to the room and not give up on it. Now, the other side of that is building rapport and things like mirroring where you don't want to be doing jumping jacks while someone else is maybe a little more reserved. But that positivity, don't wait for someone to transfer that to you. You have to show up with that and continue that throughout the energy or, or being upbeat or even just positive about the future of the company. Not every recruiter is going to sell the job to you or, yeah. or sell the company doing well. You have to bring that perspective of what you think is great about the company, what you think is great about the day, or even you being happy to be there. Christina, what you're saying is you don't just bring it for yourself. You bring it for others that are in the room as well and try and keep that throughout the conversation. Yeah, I always say to people, you own the moment. You own the the weather in that environment and in that meeting. So anytime in life you walk into a room, don't assume someone else is going to take control of the weather and that they're going to direct whether it's stormy in the hour, whether it's it's positive, it's sunshiny. Walk in like you own the interaction. Host the moment, even though you are not the host necessarily from a technical standpoint. And that doesn't mean running in like a football coach with your arms in the air and going, yeah, let's crush this. Let's do this together. You can be an introvert and have this really grounded, solid energy and just bring it with the right intensity. And it's still just as powerful. In fact, even more powerful if the other person, depending on where they're at, doesn't resonate with the cheerleading energy. Either way, be animated, bring energy. I went to this this public speaking program yesterday because I'm always interested in watching how people talk about public speaking. Most of my job is around communication, how to help people 
communicate. And I watched the presenter and the content was some of the best content I've ever seen, but nobody was paying attention because she didn't have energy. She's like, and this is a really interesting point. I'm like, is it? You don't sound very interested. So when you're nervous, which is what was going on for her, you put this block up and it, it, it severs connection with the person you're talking to. So instead of making a presentation, more important thing is make it a conversation. How do I show up for Matthew and not focus on me, but focus on what he needs to hear, what would be helpful for him to know? Move out of your head and into the conversation. It's a very important thing so the energy can flow naturally. I imagine in your line of work, a lot of trust is given to you. I would guess probably the two biggest factors are time and the folks that you work with, their time, the dollar amount is hard to calculate. And then the other side of that, I'm sure a lot of people share things with you that they really probably can't or shouldn't share with their team or their employees and sometimes things that they don't want to share with their partner or friends whether it yeah. be private information about a company or their own decisions or just things that they don't feel comfortable sharing. With that level of trust that's given to you, how can job seekers start building that when they walk in a room and they first introduce themselves? Because yeah. a, a job seeker is often one of a hundred applicants that a recruiter or hiring manager is looking at. How do you build that, maybe not that exact level of trust, but how do we take aspects of that and implement it into our job search? Yeah, it's interesting because one great question. I find we don't think about trust enough in the interview process because you think, gosh, I only have this amount of time. I've got 15 minutes. I got 30 minutes. I can't create a deep level of trust. What I would tell you is you can. You can. The way that you create trust rapidly, individually and at scale is is pivotal. You used the words uh, building rapport earlier. So the way that I think about that from a psychological perspective is sharing something meaningful about you. Sharing something meaningful. Not things like, well, I went to X school and I have two kids and a dog. That's not actually interesting. It's not that it's not interesting. It's just it's not memorable because lots of people have two kids and a dog. Lots of people went to school. So tell me something meaningful about you. Well, actually... Yes, I, I did. I don't know what you did, but something that's absolutely unique that you can throw in in the first five minutes when you're building rapport. Find a way to weave it in. Why? Because then they're trusting you because they know something intimate about Matthew. It doesn't have to be a weird thing like, gosh, I grew up with this trauma or that trauma. I don't mean vulnerability in terms of exposing something about you that, that would be odd to share, but just something that's a little more unique. That creates trust. When the brain understands something about someone, whether they're the same type of people or different types of people, it creates an immediate connection. The second thing you can do is ask a meaningful question about them. We don't do that very often. You know you're winning in an interview when the interviewer is talking more than you are. When you've asked enough questions or a meaningful enough question that they are sharing something that's really, they want to talk about. You could tell because then they get energized and suddenly you've shifted the energy in a conversation. So coming in with two, maybe three Meaningful questions can be really important, both about that individual's experience and also about the company at large. And then I guess three, the tip I give people, which takes some time to figure out when you're under a lot of pressure and you're nervous, be you. Be you. I find in interviews, the most awkward and stilted are the ones where people are trying to project perfection. If you try to be perfect, if you try to have all your answers buttoned up, 
I want to show, stay in the exact right way and put my hands in the exact right place at the exact right points. I will tell you, it comes off as rote. It's like, gosh, I'm not really sure who this person is. And it creates distrust. I've seen that happen so many times. I watched an executive come out of an interview and they say, gosh, that was like perfect. Something feels off. (laughs) It's so funny. It's like, just relax, laugh a little, breathe. Sometimes our shoulders end up at our earlobes because we're nervous. Take deep breaths, get your body into a relaxed state and just allow you to show up. Be you. It's really important because that creates trust. Yeah, that just takes practice too. I think it's uncomfortable. It's always hard for people to have multiple interviews, not with one company, with many companies over weeks or months. And I, I know it's exhausting, but also that practice builds you up in your interview skills and you'll get more comfortable. But it also just helps you know how to sit in a room once you have a job. And in my experience, every time you do, whether it be public speaking or an interview, anything like that, it just chips away a little bit at those nerves. Totally. So you can get to the point of you can hear a question and think about responding instead of just locking up and, and thinking about your nerves and what's going on. If wondering if there's a bead of sweat on your head, all these little things that get you out of the spot of what you said and how I like to interview with people. It's, it's just a conversation. In my book, Choosing Greatness, I interview Daniel Nestor, who's won more doubles tennis matches than anyone in history. And he talks about being out on center court in Wimbledon when he was younger playing tennis, obviously a big moment. Everyone's watching him and he used to hit the ball and it would go in the net and he would get into his head. You watch this happen all the time with athletes and he'd go, oh, I can't believe it. I screwed it up. You idiot or whatever he would say to himself, but he would be really hard on himself in real time. And we do that at interviews, right? Oh, I shouldn't have said that. And then we start analyzing what we said. Here's the challenge with that. Here's the challenge. And he talks about this in the book, Choosing Greatness. He takes all that neurological fuel that he had fired up, focused on the game, and turns it all internally. So he's no longer in the game. So if you're in the middle of an interview and you start analyzing, oh my gosh, did I say that right in real time? Or, oh, is there sweat on my forehead? Or whatever it might be, you are no longer in the conversation. You're in your head. You've cut connection. You're not there. And what he said is, I kept losing matches. I kept losing matches. You watch sports This happened in sports all the time. Someone screws up and then there's a mistake after mistake after mistake. It was the straw that broke camel's back and now they've lost the game. So he actually went to a sports psychologist and figured out how to stay in the game. And I talk about some of those techniques in the book so that those, even when he makes a mistake, it's just data. What do I analyze? Quick, quick adjustment, quick adjustment, quick adjustment. I'm not going to make it mean anything. Stay in the game rather than in your head. That is so important in an interview. What was your inspiration to share your thoughts and experience with readers? I find that as I've been doing this for multiple decades now, we all face the same struggles. I know we're unique. I know we are. We're all different in our own way, but it comes down to how do I focus my time? How do I strengthen my relationships? How do I make sure I'm communicating effectively? There are certain things, there's actually eight pillars that I work on in the book that I seem to continuously coach on. And I thought, well, gosh, if I'm in conversation with Richard Branson about this, I guarantee you other people are going to want to hear about it. And so his chapter, as an example, talks about goal setting. What, how do we do that? Not in a way that's smart as we use in our framework, but that actually wakes us up and energizes us. And so I thought, wow, let's share the science behind this. Let's share the insights that we've learned around goal setting and have Richard Branson narrate how he talks about it. So I included him in the book. It just came to my attention as I've been doing this long enough that the conversations 
are whether I'm in a, a, a company that's focused on tech like Microsoft or whether I'm in a company that's focused on healthcare or I'm talking to an entrepreneur, we have the same challenges. So let's, let's create a book that captures those. The other reason I wrote the book is I'm really clear that more often than not, the biggest roadblock is us. It's what we're saying in our head. It's how we're waking up and setting our routine for the day. It's how we think that time will be more effective if we just ram everything in. So it looks more like our calendars look like, I don't know, Daytona Beach on spring break, right? There's just so much going on. The brain can only handle so much and be really effective. It has about 240 minutes of of high-octane thinking a day, as an example. And yet we drain it for 10 to 12 hours at work. So part of that time is really not effective. How do we use our day? How do we structure it better? And so I engage different executives in each chapter who have nailed that so we can all learn from them and, and how to set our routine up so that we don't just do well at work. I mean, that's one thing, but I also want to have a really great home life and I want to, I want to be happy, Matthew. I want to make a lot of money and be happy. And it's interesting. I remember saying that to one of my old bosses, one of the first jobs I had, I said, I'm, I'm leaving because I want to make more money and have more time. And he said, that's not true. That's not possible. I'm just telling you, it's possible. I, I don't, I'm not the only one that's figured it out. And so I talk a lot about that in the book. Success is not about money. I, there, it's a wonderful aspect of it, but success looks like having a life that you wake up and feel good about every day. How would choosing greatness help younger Christina or the job seeker we're thinking of succeed in their job search, but also plan out a better life, a more successful career? The first thing I would say, and I work with a lot of people who are, who are looking for new jobs, even executives who are changing companies or decide, gosh, I'm not really into what I've been doing for the past 20 years. I want to try something else. It's never too late to try something else. The first thing I would say is be bold and think big. Be bold and think big. Every time I'm in a conversation with someone who's looking for a new job, we have to remember that behind the scenes, you've got fear, uncertainty, and doubt ricocheting around different thoughts in your head that will hold you back from playing big. They just will. I can't do this. I wouldn't be able to do that. I wouldn't be able to do this. It's like, gosh, let's dream a little. Let's be crazy. The reason I got into Harvard Business Review is because I used to write for smaller publications. And and after my son got sick, I said, gosh, why don't I just shoot big? What if this is my one life and I don't know what tomorrow looks like? I'm just going to go for the biggest publication I can think of. And lo and behold, 11 months later, there it was published. So I think the same is true for job seekers. If you are thinking about what you want to do, don't just go and apply on Indeed. It's a great place to be. But also say, gosh, this is the type of company I want to be in. I'm going to go on LinkedIn. I'm going to figure out who the leader is two layers up in the the role that I want. I'm going to reach out to them and be excited about why I feel like I'd be a really good fit for their organization and what value I can bring for them. Go big. Why would you do that? Because, hey, they're looking for good talent. I will tell you, someone who sits on the other side of the table, number one problem right now is how do I find the right people for my team? How do I get the talent that will add value? They are looking for you. Find the people who would be a match, shoot a little higher than you normally would, say something that's enticing and bold, being you and why you think it's such a good match. And I'll tell you, magic happens. Magic happens. I actually am working with someone who's looking for a new job. And we started, we started on Indeed. And then all of a sudden, she decided to go out and research the company she's so excited about. And lo and behold, she got a job at, at the dream company that she thought, oh, I'll never be able to get a job there. 
well, here we are. And it's because she found out who the executive was, reached out higher than normally she would be well around recruiting, found out what they're writing about on LinkedIn, wrote about one of the things to this person and said, I love this article you wrote about XYZ. Gosh, I feel like we'd be a good fit. And, and now she happens to be working there. I absolutely love that. One of the things I remind listeners of is if you don't ask, the answers always no. And right. I have listeners that reach out to me and ask things. And I'm always so glad they did. But if they would have just kept that to themselves, I wouldn't have been able to help in whatever way that is. With the LinkedIn messaging, I'm sure for listeners that aren't in sales, that's terrifying. Find something they've talked about or written about, put their name in YouTube, see if they've, if mm-hmm. they've been at a conference and spoke, anything like that. And genuinely find something that resonates with you and talk to them about that. Ask them what they meant. Ask them how what they said in 2015 has changed for today. Don't say, hey, I'm a really good applicant for this and the, your right. recruiter's not getting back to me. I think you'll like me though. Don't do that. Reach out to them and say, I'm at this point in my career, but my goals are what you're doing. Would you mind sharing either in this message or maybe on a video call how you think someone at the point that I am at in my career can get to where you are. Yeah. Would you mind sharing some of that? And not everyone's going to answer. That's why you have to be driven, reach out to more than one person. But what I've always seen is the kind of person you want advice from is going to be happy to give back to people who are at their own point in their career. Totally agree. Totally agree. When did Choosing Greatness come out and where can listeners find your book? Yeah, Choosing Greatness came out May 2nd, so it's fresh, hot off the press. Its audiobook is launching in two weeks, and but you can go on Amazon, you can go on Barnes & Noble, you can go to your local bookstore and ask for it. Choosing Greatness by Christina Curtis, an evidence-based approach to achieving exceptional outcomes. I will link to that in this episode's description. If listeners want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? CurtisLeadership.com is my website. I actually offer courses for folks online where they're in smaller group formats. So feel free to come check out the courses. The next one starts up in July and you can get an executive coach in your back pocket so that you've got somebody helping you as you look for your job. And of course, Choosing Greatness is out there on the bookshelves. You've given us some really good actionable ideas and advice to help with our job search. Can I ask you to leave us with some motivation or encouragement to approach our job search? The first thing I would say is expect setbacks. Anytime you're going after a goal, a setback is not a negative. It's part of the process. It's what's allowing you to highlight what in your sequence you have to adjust and and for the next interview. It's highlighting something to say, pull that out and put something else in. It's not a bad thing. It is part of the process and you're going to see it. And so when it comes, don't make it mean you're not good enough. Don't make it mean that you're not going to get the job you want. Don't make it mean that you're not likable. Just make it mean that one action between you and that other person might need to be replaced. Or frankly, it wasn't a right fit in the right in the first place. So it's all good. No, no problem. And the second thing I would say is from a career perspective, the one thing that stays consistent across your entire career is you. You work for you. You work for Matthew Inc. That is your company. And these other companies that you're interviewing with are just giving you skills and experiences and income, right? Revenue into your company of Matthew Inc. And so when you're out there interviewing with people, remember that you're interviewing them as much as the other way around. Find people who are good fit. Find people and places where you're going to thrive and be happy because that's what life is all about. To expect setbacks and remember you work for you. This is your company. 
and it is your time that you're going to be spending somewhere else. So continue the search, find the place, be bold, be big, and go thrive. Christina, thank you so much for sharing the wisdom you've gained from your incredible career and insights on how we can approach our job interview from someone who sees a lot of the big picture and talks to the big decision makers. Our listeners will look forward to getting in touch with you and checking out Choosing Greatness. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Matthew. Are you feeling frustrated with the job hunt? Are endless applications and radio silence getting you down? You can now book me for $1 a minute for 30, 45, or 60 minutes. Don't need 45 minutes? Don't pay for it. Want to do 30 minutes now and maybe 30 minutes later? Once you progress, let's do it. We can conduct a mock interview. I'll help you format great responses that make a difference. We can improve your resume and cover letter to help get you noticed. I'm here to consult with you. If you're in a unique situation and want input from someone that has seen it all and can help you succeed like I have so many others, it's super simple. Just go to jobinterviewexperience.com and click the $1 a minute coaching button at the very top of the page. Select the amount of time you want to meet and then you can look through my availability without having to pay. Check out my availability, pick a time, and pay $1 a minute for 100% of my attention. It's blocked into 30, 45, or 60 minutes, so we won't go over, you won't get charged any more than what you pay at checkout. Remember, the faster you invest in yourself, the faster you land that dream job. Go to jobinterviewexperience.com or follow the link in this episode's description. I'm excited to meet and help you take control of your career today.